Welcome everyone to Dinging Corners 2.0. We are here on a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Spring training is underway. Let's Game. go. Yes, let's go. Games are about to begin. March Madness is on. Kansas has not lost yet. Jimbo is in the house. And we are talking all things free agency and trades. There are some huge, huge trades that have happened in the last couple days. There are some huge signings. And we're just going to cover as much as we uh, we can. Oh, yes. Dude, spring training started at, what, 105 today? Turned it on and instantly, mood changer. Baseball is back. Let's it, go. Baseball is back. And much to Jimbo Chagrin, I am not watching baseball. I have March Madness on in front of me. I What's do that? love some spring training baseball. It brings a lot of hope. But first day of March Madness, I can't pass it up. There's some always some good upsets. Not any so far. I'm actually 0 for 2 on my bracket. Shout out to Colorado State for losing. Shout out to uh, South Dakota State for losing. You ruined my bracket already. But only up from here. Also, quick, quick thing. Shout out to Steph Curry. My fantasy basketball team is... Dead in the water. Steph Curry out indefinitely. Him, Bradley Beal, Chris Paul, Jared Allen, top four guys on my fantasy team, all out for the rest of the season. Yada, yada, yada. It's baseball season. It's dude. baseball season, baby. Come on, mate. Get out of here with that. <laughs> Get out of here with that basketball. <laughs> Get him so, out of here. We have baseball. And, and, and that's what I love about baseball is that. Kansas is likely going to lose before, like, the round of 32 or something. Or losing the round of 32. My fantasy basketball team is dead in the water. But it doesn't matter. Because we've got baseball. And we've got Andrew McCutcheon as a brewer. So let's start out there, Jimbo. Let's start out there. Andrew McCutcheon signs a one-year $8.5 million deal with the Brewers to be their, quote-unquote, everyday DH and then also um, occasional left fielder. Now, he is 35 years old nowadays. He is no longer young, spry Andrew McCutcheon that won an MVP in 2013, I believe. Um, he is he is significantly older, but he is still good. He had 27 home runs with the Phillies last year. He had a 778 OPS, and I think he had like over a 900 OPS against lefties specifically, which... Um, I'll take that because we weren't a very good left-handed hitting ball club. Jimbo, give me your thoughts as a non-biased, non-biased uh, Brewers fan. Give me your thoughts on the Brewers signing yeah. Andrew McCutcheon to be their DH. I personally love it. They definitely make that team way cooler because he's got some swag. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. But also, no, I love. In all honesty, um, I love that signing. Veteran bat. Um, there's a lot of you know, untangible skills that he has in the clubhouse that he will bring to to that young you know the young crowd that they have young team um but love it you know i love that signing that's the those are the signings you know it's not the carlos correa the chris bryant you know type of signings that everyone gets excited for these are the signings that have that bigger of an impact than most people see on paper yeah i would agree um if we can go to shift to basketball again i guess Bucks trade for PJ Tucker at the trade deadline last year. And at the time it's like, you know, what is PJ Tucker going to do for us? A couple second round picks for him. Um, is he really going to move the needle that much where we win a championship? 
Turns out, it did. If we don't have P.J. Tucker, the Nets beat us. He was yeah. the one reason why we probably beat the Nets because of his defense. And the same thing with an Andrew McCutcheon. A little bit older, um, may, not as obviously not as good, not having 900 OPSs or eight, eight high 800 OPSs like he did back in the day with stellar defense. But you get a pretty good bat. You get occasional defensive minutes in the outfield, and um, you get that you get that veteran leadership along with Lorenzo Cain. Uh, no Ryan Braun anymore, right? Um, no no Jackie Bradley Jr. So a couple of the older guys that were on the team are missing. So you have Lorenzo, and then you get that veteran leadership from McCutcheon now. Should be a really good thing, especially for young guys like Luis Urias and Willie mm-hmm. Adamas, guys like that. We have some some vets in there to not necessarily lead the way because these are they're all professionals and they've all gotten this far because they you know they know what they're doing and they're really good, but to just advise, right? Yeah. I like it too. It also gives uh, uh, the manager some Council. wiggle room on you know mixing up the lineup, play ma- um, you know matchups and all that. So yeah, platoons. Uh, I mean, we really did. We struggled. We struggled mightily with left-handed pitching. So to actually throw in a guy that mashes lefties in there, yeah, um, a nice little a nice little baseline for us. So that's the first move. First move I want to talk about. Thrilled about it as a Brewers fan. Obviously, not the hugest not the hugest move in the world. It's not you're not signing Freddie Freeman to play first base if you're the Brewers, right? And maybe we trade for somebody. Maybe we could trade for a Jose Ramirez or something, but. Other than that, you know, we weren't signing Kyle Kyle Schwarber, and we should actually talk about Kyle Schwarber because he's the next guy up. So let's talk about him and switching spots here. McCutcheon came from the Phillies. Kyle Schwarber is going to the Phillies for four years, $79 million, um, just a little shy, 19, $19.75 million a year. Pretty healthy numbers for Kyle Schwarber there for a guy that got released by the Cubs as a DH only that they weren't didn't want to have playing in left field and they didn't want to pay goes to the Nationals kills it gets traded to the Red Sox does just as well if not better for the Red Sox and then and then the NL adopts DH and Kyle Schwarber gets a massive deal because now he can go to all 32 teams or 30 teams yeah I also love that too. Is another you know guy, um, postseason. So much postseason experience with him, and he, man, he. If I remember right, he crushed it last postseason. Like he was a pretty, wasn't wasn't he just like burning hot during that? Um, let's see here. Yeah, he, in in the ALCS he got butchered, but before that in the wild card. And then the um, ALDS, he did. He performed really well. 889 in the ALDS, 1,033 uh, or 1,833 in his one game wild card game. Yeah. So I think I, I like that because the Phillies, I mean, they, they already have the talent to go deep and, you know, be contenders. But, you know, when you're a team where you're already pretty stacked, you need these one off signings. Like you already have your core. You need these key postseason guys like your Jack Peterson, like the Kyle Schwarber, the guys with tons of postseason experience to to take you on to that next level. Mm-hmm. And um, as for Schwarber, outside of 2020, weird year, 88 OPS. His last three full years, 
117 OPS plus, 122, 148. Trending in the right direction there. And he had 26, 30 home runs, 26 home runs, 38 home runs, and then 32 home runs last year. And 32 home runs in only 113 games. And now he gets to play in the Phillies ballpark, which isn't like massive by any means. Hmm. Could be pretty fun. Could be pretty fun. Doesn't have to play in the field. I'm uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. I am you excited know, to see what he can do. You know what's interesting? I'm looking at his splits right now. Last year, he hit uh, 296 with uh, 1.067 OPS playing at home. But dude, when he was playing away, he was hitting 233 with a 77 uh, with a 779 OPS at home when he was mm-hmm. like away. Which is very interesting. That those are two drastically. I wonder That's what's like the, Colorado Rocky type splits. Yeah, but then even if you look at this, he did so much better in the second half. I don't know if you touched on that in the beginning. I was kind of searching something, but he had two. Uh, he had two fifty three the first half of the season. Then he had two ninety one in the second half, which is just nuts. I wonder if the second half was when he went on his. No, the second half must not have been when I think he went on his hot streak right before the start, the All Star break, where he hit like 16 home runs in like 18 yes. games or something like that. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. absolutely, absolutely insane. I'm curious. I'm curious to see what he can do in Philadelphia. Another guy I'm curious about is his former teammate, Chris Bryant. So, Chris Bryant, for some wow. reason, wild. Wow. No one really knows why, but for some reason, he decided he was going to sign with the Colorado Rockies. Like, what in and, the world? Yeah, there's a couple things to unpack here. One, what was Chris Bryant thinking? Number two, what are the Rockies thinking? You just traded away Nolan Arenado. Exactly. You're not re-signing Trevor Story. And no. now you're going after Chris, Chris Bryant? It's a jersey sales sign. Signing. So in, seven years, 182 million contains a full no trade clause, and it's just it's just weird that they they decided that they were going to let go of Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story and re-sign Chris Bryant. Um, he's going to be going into his age 29 season, I believe, maybe age 30 season upcoming. And I I don't I don't understand it from the Rockies standpoint. They've been one of those organizations that just doesn't seem like they know what they're doing ever. I mean, they literally gave the Cardinals money to take Nolan Arenado away from them. Unreal. I, I just – I don't understand it. Like, I really don't know what is going – when when I saw the alert, I checked, like, seven different sources because I was like, oh, this is probably one of those, like, joke meme alerts, you know, signings. Like, oh, this, there's no way this is true. It just doesn't make sense for the Rockies. For Chris Bryant, it makes sense. I mean, he's going to get paid. Um so for him, he's you know, for me personally, I wouldn't. I would rather go to somewhere different where because he could probably he could have got that kind of money anywhere probably. I'm guessing, um, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? So so get this: you can go to Chris Bryant splits, right? And I I think he might have taken the most money he could get. Probably that would be that would seem likely. You probably don't go to Colorado unless they're giving you the most money, but. In Coors last year, he had a 421 OPS. Now, obviously, he's facing Rockies pitching and nobody else, but a 421 OPS in four games started. 
in Chase Field, the 773. In Dodger Stadium, 392 OPS, which is atrocious in four games. In San Francisco, 853, which is pretty good. And then Petco. Oh, but but or uh, San Francisco, he he played on their team. Um, and then Petco, 490 OPS in five games. So he, instead of choosing one of the teams that has good pitching, he went to the team in the division that has bad pitching and, and the, that Diamondbacks, I guess. But he went to the team that has bad pitching or, you know, not as good a pitching as the Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres. And now he has to go play those teams, those teams that he has a four, uh, 392 and a 490 OPS against and 853, but he wasn't facing the Giants pitching. He was facing other teams pitching. I don't know what he was thinking. He has a 1,500 OPS in Great American Ballpark last year. You know, 828 in Wrigley. Uh, 1,087 in Pittsburgh. 713 in Miller Park, and 713 is directly attributed to the fact that the Brewers have amazing pitching. Like there's a reason, there's a reason he has a 713 OPS in Miller Park and a 713 OPS in St. Louis. It's because their their pitching is amazing. And you're going to go against teams that also have amazing pitching in the Dodgers and the Padres and somewhat the Giants. At least they get the most out of their pitchers when they get there. It just does, you know what's crazy is that the Rockies agreed to eat 51 million in Arenado's contract. And they're paying him five point six million this year, Arenado. But then they go and sign Chris Bryant. Like, what? What are? What are you doing? I, I don't know. All I know is if you have, if you play fantasy baseball, draft Chris Bryant because this dude might. I read something. He's like, he's like, yeah, he hit. You know, I, for some reason, I keep thinking that you know, Arenado or um, um, Chris Bryant just hit two home runs. You know, he went three for four with two home runs and a double. And the Colorado Rockies still lost 13 to 10. You know, like that's how their games are going to be this year. That is how it's going to go. And actually I should pull up his career, his career splits just to see how he does in, in uh, Coors Field here. And in his career at Coors Field, he has a 757 OPS. Unexpected. Unexpected. There so, has to be something more to this. Um, what? I w- there, I'm sure. I'm sure there's something more to this contract that we just don't see from the outside. Like, if there's something where he can um, back out of it, you know, like opt out after yeah, the opt third out. year and go for another big contract, um, juice up his stats. Because maybe, who knows? Maybe teams weren't calling. That's another oh. thing. Who knows? Who knows? I, I mean, we don't know. But I mean, it's Chris Bryant. Like yeah, there are teams, there are teams, and I should move this away from my face a little bit. There are teams that, sure, he had a down year last year. Overall, he hit 265, 353, 481 with 835 OPS, which is lower than his MVP running season and lower than his rookie of the year season. And every season except for his age 26 season, which was also a quote-unquote down year at 834, still a good year. And there's still going to be teams that say to themselves, 835 OPS, 124 OPS plus, and there's still there's something left in that tank that we can bet on. Yeah. 
It's crazy. It's crazy, man. So and one of those he... rare occurrences where it doesn't make sense for the player. The Rockies aren't going to win. And Chris Bryant just signed away the rest of his playing career to play with the Rockies. The Rockies aren't going to win. And Chris Bryant, you know, you know the Rockies yeah. aren't going to win. So why spend the money? Chris Bryant, the Rockies aren't going to win. So why would you go there? Yeah, I'm not sure. Of course, he already has a he already has a uh, World Series. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe he likes he just likes Denver. You know, you just never know. That's what makes the free agency signings a lot of fun because there's a lot of there's more there's more things to it than just always the the cash. But this, I mean, this looks like it was all about the cash, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, also, Chris Bryant, known big time baseball card guy. He, so we'll see if there's card shops in Denver, and if there are, you should get excited because Chris Bryant might be coming your way. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know he was a card guy. Oh yeah, I got to talk to his agent in um, at the National uh, for like thirty minutes, and he said that him and Chris would go. There was a shop by Wrigley, and every single off day. He would go pick Chris up. They'd go over to the card shop. They'd buy a bunch of boxes. They'd go back to Chris's house. They'd just hang out and rip wax. What? That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. Very, very cool. Well, moving on from Chris Bryant to his former cub, former cub, former club, the Cubs, the Cubs. and they signed Suzuki. I'm going to butcher his first name. So, Seiya, Seiya Suzuki. Outfielder from Japan for eight or for five years, $85 million. And when you include the posting fee of 14.625 million, that comes out to 99.625 million, round up to a hundred million a year. Um, but only 17 million for annual average value for the luxury tax. So $17 million a year for Suzuki. And this dude, I don't know if you've heard anything about him, Jimbo. I don't know if you've watched. Uh, the MPB, but he hit 317 with a 433 on base and a 639 slugging with 38 home runs for the Hiroshima Carp last year. And he has been killing it since 2016. He has over a 400 on base and a 500 slugging average um, with at least 25 home runs in each of the last six seasons. So he's been amazing. He's also only 27. He played nine years in Japan. And yet it's only 27 because he came up as an 18-year-old, which is insane. And so it's a rare opportunity for someone to get a player so young like the uh, Cubs are getting with Suzuki. Right in his prime, 27. Yeah. How do you feel? Uh, Sometimes I say to myself, yeah, 27, 28, 29 prime. And then sometimes I wake up as a 27-year-old and I say, I don't feel like I'm in my prime. Yeah, but these guys are built different. I'll tell that's, you that. That's true. So, Jimbo, tell me, how do you feel about international signings, guys from Japan like that? Um, you know, you, you obviously, like literally every country, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, well, it, the thing me... that I, I think is the international play, like baseball, it's getting better everywhere, not just here in the U.S. Um, it is getting better where the Korean leagues are legit. Um you know, like you know a lot of like the Korean leagues, uh, different the Japan league, China, they're they're getting much better. So Taiwan league, Taiwan league, yes. Where you know 
I don't really look at the stats really of these players. It's more of, you know, more of just watching them play and seeing, you know, how it translates. Cause it's so hard to see if it will translate here stateside. And the biggest question will be, can he hit the fastball? Cause that's always the biggest thing. The difference of leagues is, you know, they, we, the state side guys, just guys aren't throwing 99. Exactly. And that was honestly the biggest thing I worried about with Otani. I was like, Oh, great. You know, he's a great hitter and all that. Will he be able to hit the fastball? And then once he was able, once I saw he was able to hit the fastball right out, right out of the gate, basically, I was like, Oh yeah, he's going to be just fine. Um, so that's where like spring training comes into play. This is where my obsession comes into play, where I'm watching all these spring training games, watching things like that. How does that translate? Like for Kim over at the Padres last year, I loved that signing, but then I was watching spring training and he just, the fastball was just overpowering for him. And I was like, Ooh, that's, you know, that's the make or break. Cause then, you know, they'll, they'll just dice you up. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess we'll see. I like, you know, one, I'm sure that signings like this for the Cubs, it's more than just what's on the field, the marketing aspect the overseas they'll make their money back extreme like they'll make their money back just on that so yeah and and that's that's a fair point something i don't always think about is you know you're the cubs you can get the top japanese player to come over you're going to get a lot of japanese uh people in japan to to watch the games and to buy jerseys and all that stuff and if you're the rockies you sign Chris Bryant, you're going to get a lot of people that were upset about Trevor Story leaving, trading Nolan Arenado away. You're going to get a lot of people to be like, all right, they did something. We'll still go to the games. We'll buy jerseys, this and that, where it's like, doesn't really make sense, but you love it. As for the Cubs, it kind of it makes sense. Um, I still think I would have rather just re-signed Chris Bryant. If I was going to re-sign any of the guys, Rizzo, Baez, or Bryant, I would have probably – Cap Bryant, but yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised though if Suzuki sells more jerseys than um, than Chris Bryant. To be completely honest with you, well, for those for a hundred million and for a hundred eighty eighty two million between those two guys, I feel like I feel like they could have probably have afforded both of them. Oh, they can afford anything. They're the Cubs, but yeah. including the Chelsea yeah. Football Club. Which I kind of like this deal though, because you're getting him right in his prime at 27 for five years. Like I'm getting he, him right when he leaves his prime at 32. Yeah, like it's honestly like a brilliant signing for that, um, for that aspects. But I mean, only time will tell. But yeah, huge risk. You just never know. You never yeah. know. Uh, and and for every every big signing from Japan that doesn't work out or Korea, you have a guy like Norichika Aoki who signs for $4 million a year for the Brewers. Nobody else wanted him, and he ends up being a really good leadoff hitter for one year, and then the next year you trade him away for Will Smith, the reliever. Yeah. And then you get a number of good years out of Will Smith, and then you trade him away to the Giants and absolutely botch the trade and get nothing. Yeah. He Not was so. a left-handed so. – wasn't he – well, I can't – I forget how to say his name, but wasn't he just – he just dominated left-handers, didn't he? Will Smith? No, no, no. Uh, well, yeah, Will Smith, which I have something funny on him, but the the guy before that, Aoki. Aoki. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, he was he was a slap hitter that occasionally run into a home run. 
ran like 350 on base percentages. It's like one of those things where you get a left left fielder for four million bucks that can that can hit for a decent average, get on base at a decent clip, and run into a few home runs and play good defense, and you get him for four million bucks. That's super worth it. Mm-hmm. He's not your prototypical left fielder. He doesn't have the power, and nothing he did was like spectacular, but everything was solid. And that ended up being like a two, three win player for four million bucks. Absolutely, absolute steal and a half. Mm-hmm. All right, can I name a player? Yeah, name a player. All right, going. You know, Chris Bryant leaving the Giants. I'm going to go to the uh, the the Giants squad. One signing that I personally really liked as a baseball fan was Carlos Rondon. Rondon. That signing to me, I love that. You have a two year deal. What do you get? Two year, forty four mil. Uh, Carlos can opt out after his first year. And I'm a huge believer in what, with, with what I'm about to say is two year deal can opt out after the first year. He has motivation to still be elite. You know, he's not on an eight, 10 year deal where it's like, Oh, I'm going to get paid. He's still like kind of on a quote unquote, prove it deal, even though he's getting paid a ton, Mm -hmm. but for him to get that one big last contract, if he goes out and has a dominant year there, which the Giants, I love his like the way he's going to pitch in that stadium alone will make him even better than how he has been pitching the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think that is just a brilliant signing on both ends. I I agree. I I like Carlos Rendon. I've liked Carlos Rendon for a while. He has disappointed me for years. He did not disappoint me last year, which is funny because he was a free agent. He signed a one year like minuscule deal, five million, I think, with the White Sox. Yeah. And then he absolutely blew up and he turned that into a good deal with the giants where he can opt out like Jimbo said, and get an even bigger deal. And he gets to play in AT&T, which is going to be amazing for him. He's super talented. He wore down a little bit at the end of the season, but you know, as he's building innings, I expect him to be a little bit better. And he's a big card guy. If you haven't looked at his Twitter account recently, he tweeted out the other day that he was searching for his 2014 mm-hmm. Bowman Chrome Superfractor Auto. And then he's been tweeting about cards ever since. Like constantly. Yeah. So yeah. here's to pulling for him. So if you are if you are listening to this right now, go look him up. Go look up Carlos Rondon and look up his Twitter account because it's it's actually pretty cool. It's pretty cool when you see active players that are big into cards that are actually vocal about it because Chris Bryant is not vocal about it, but he's really mm-hmm. big into cards. Carlos Rondon is actually talking about it. Yeah. I love that aspect. Can I do one more? Yeah, keep going. All right. One other player. So, like, that was one of my favorite signs. My favorite trade so far has been with the Blue Jays. It actually happened yesterday. Matt Chapman. Mm-hmm. I love that trade because one you got matt chapman you got two years of control i think you pay him like nine mil something this year uh he goes in our arbitration next year two years of control all you really give up is gunner hoagland who was their the uh, blue jays first round pick last year out of uh old miss i believe i don't have it pulled up in front of me but he had an arm injury where he might not even play i think for like a whole year Correct. Um, where with you know, yeah, you're giving up a pretty you know high ceiling arm, but also a low floor. But you're getting a gold glove. Blue Jays needed this. A gold glove third baseman. He's gonna have. He's gonna be probably hitting in the sixth spot for him. There's protection in the lineup there. 
where the sixth spot, he's not going to be the guy, like the spotlight guy, like, oh, you need to, you know, produce for us offensively. He can just kind of go in and, and less stress off, but he's, they're also going to be contending. Love that. Love that trade all day long. I would agree. Um, Gunnar Hogland, obviously their first round pick. They traded around the way their first round pick the year before in, um, in, uh, dude, they traded to the twins, the shortstop, but I can't think of his name now. Oh, Austin Martin. Austin Martin. So they've traded away their first round pick two years in a row, which questionable for sure. But I agree. Uh, University of Mississippi, actually, I looked that up real quick. So Gunnar Hogland was from University of Mississippi. And uh, yeah, he's going to be out all year. Big arm injury, big problem. You take on a lot less risk if you get a Matt Chapman guy. And even if Matt Chapman is not instead of Gunnar Hogland, that is. And Kevin Smith. Nice infield prospect that's ready for the majors right now. Zach Logu, don't know who he is, left-hander. And left-hander Kirby Sneed, who is probably the brother of former Brewers prospect Cy Sneed, who got traded for Jonathan VR back in the day. Um, I'm expecting them to be brothers. How often are you going to get two pitchers with last name of Sneed? So never know. Probably brothers, but maybe not. But those are the four guys in the package. And as for Matt Chapman, yeah, the last two years he's been trending downwards. So 111 OPS plus in his first year, 137 his second year, 127, 120, and then last year 100. But the nice thing is, even with his super down year last year, he was still a league average hitter with unbelievably good defense at third base. Exactly. And he was worth 3.5 baseball reference wins above replacement, despite hitting 210 and uh, 314 with a 403 slugging percentage. So like he wasn't very good offensively, but he was still league average. And with league average offense, 27 bombs and his defense, he's still a very, very, very good player. Well, here's the thing: they don't need they don't need him to produce on offense because that loan that lineup is so stacked. They mm-hmm. they can sacrifice that that aspect. They but they need it's only going to help uh, Bo Bichette as well because that puts less stress on him. Matt Chapman will cover way more than you know Vladdy out there or you know whoever else they were throwing out there. Correct, correct, correct. So yeah, it will be it'll be really nice. Their defense on their left side of the infield should be really good. Um, Vladdy is improving at first base. Second base is a little bit of a question mark right now. They might go after Jose Ramirez and trade away since, since I brought this up on uh, dingy corners post yesterday, because they have Matt Chapman now for two years and they've got Boba Shett and they've got a myriad Otto Lopez, um, uh, Espinal and then, or Espinal. And then um, Santiago Espinal, I think, or Espinal, I don't, I don't remember. And then Kevin Biggio at second base, and then utility spots. And you've got Randall Gritchick, George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in the outfield. You pretty much have, and then multiple catchers in um, Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. Shout out Wisconsin. Danny Jansen's from Appleton, Wisconsin which is just south of Green Bay. So you have guys all over the place. And quality, quality major league guys. Some of those guys, Otto Lopez and uh, Espino, like you might not have heard of them, 
but they are they are quality major league players, quality major league pieces where they deserve to be in the majors and they deserve to be playing, along with almost every other guy on that team. You add Matt Chapman to that mix at third base, and now it's like, all right, you've got Jordan Groshans and or Elvis Martinez coming down the pipeline. Jordan Groshans a little bit closer than Martinez, but they should both be up within the next two years. But Matt Chapman's there for the next two years. All of their positions, that's all their guys at second and utility there for the next two years. Vlad there for the next two years. All of their outfielders there for the next two years, which makes it very interesting. And I'm very curious to see what happens with Jordan Groshans and Aurelvis Martinez specifically, because I got to imagine one of them is getting traded. And maybe one of those guys and Gabriel Moreno, because their catching is in good shape, gets traded for Jose Ramirez. And then all three of those second basemen move to uh, move to utility spots, or maybe one of them takes the second base spot and one of them takes a utility. But I got to imagine some of them are getting moved, which makes this Chapman trade more interesting to me because I love prospects. And I just don't know what they're going to do, but they have they have way more quality major league players than they have starting positions. And they have prospects right behind that are going are going to be quality major leaders. And I think that's why they're they're trading up basically. You know, they're consolidating talent into, you know, a Matt Chapman and and these and, and I'm looking at their the uh the Blue Jays salary breakdown by year and they are set up for the next at least the next 2 years with just about their entire core they have control over salary like contract wise. They have built perfectly. They they're during the draft, they have done you know, fantastic during the draft. But the key piece to all of this, Blue Jays have done phenomenal in the international market in developing talent and finding talent in the international market, which is allowing them to make trades like this, where they can trade a prospect here or there because they have so much depth. And yeah. honestly, if they get Jose Ramirez, to me, him and Whit Merrifield are probably the are like my two biggest, most underrated players in baseball. For the last you know couple you know five years or whatever how many years they've been playing um i love that and consolidate even more because i think kevin biggio great you know great young player but I, I would rather have him as a utility spot than an everyday second baseman yeah and i wouldn't be shocked if a team like the if a team like the guardians can't say indians anymore guardians if they go after you know if they trade jose ramirez and they they pick up a moreno um, they're catching prospect. And if they pick up Jordan Groshans or Elvis Martinez, cause I'm imagining it would take both those guys. If a Kevin Biggio is like the third piece in a, in a trade. And then, and then maybe the guardians trade like a reliever in that deal. Those three guys for a relief, one of their better relievers and, uh, Jose Ramirez, I could see something like that happening. And then you still have utility guys all over the place Yeah, for the blue Jays to be able to use. I mean, I've been a huge fan of the Blue Jays the last couple of years, just of what they've been building. And um, I was talking to Mikey here, and he was asking me just some baseball questions. He's like, "Who do you like? Who would you say is you know that's going to win it all? That's not your you know super obvious pick." I I'm Blue Jays or White Sox. I am huge fans of because they they kind of built their team the same way. But I like the Blue Jays over the White Sox because they're pitching. Jose Barrios. Um, I was actually just about to ask you about that because, 
because I was going to ask you about their pitching. Their defense, their offense is amazing. Their defense is pretty good. But their pitching, and Jose Barros is super good. And Hugin Ryu, if he's healthy, is pretty good. They have Kevin Gaussman, Alex Manoa, UC Kikuchi. So that's their five-man rotation right now. Obviously, you're expecting Ryu and Barrios to be good. But, like, Barrios, I mean, last year, and I'm trying to remember his stats, so I'll pull them up real quick here. Last year, Barrios had a 3-5. No, that can't be right. What were his stats last year? Two teams, 192 innings, and a 3.52 ERA. That's nice. That's nice, but in today's, as a Brewers fan who just watched three Brewers starters pitch under three ERAs and then two more pitch in the three threes, like we had five guys that had better ERAs than Jose Barrios did last year. Yeah. And, and I get, of, yeah. He's one of those guys, though, he just has nasty stuff. Like, yeah, you look at his numbers, but his stuff's so nasty where you throw him, like, he's one of those guys that gets that gets hot during a postseason and that you want him out there. Like I, I love, honestly, he's like one of my favorite pitchers, like a uh, underrated, you know, not underrated, but like people don't really talk about him as much type of pitchers. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only, he's 27 and he's got nasty stuff. He, his contract is in that, like, it's very friend, like uh, team friendly. Um, but I like that. Like, I do agree though. Like he's not the, the ace which I'm a huge believer of having like a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander at the top going into the postseason, um, you know, to, to win you that, that big game, that game seven. Um, but I like their rotation a lot or yeah. not a lot. And but. I, I like the rotation too. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like I don't like the blue Jays rotation. Cause there's some nice guys here. My worry, my worry and my one single worry is that of the guys you have, you had you had Barrios and Ryu, very nice pitchers, not exactly the type of guys that I'm saying are aces, you know? Right. Then you have Kevin Gaussman, who was an ace last year. Is he going to go, Is he or was it two years ago that he was an ace? No, he was an ace last year, 2021, 192 innings, 2.81 ERA. So he wasn't ace last year for San Francisco. Will he will he trend backwards? I don't know. I don't know. He never had that good of a year before. I could see him trending back to a 3-5 ERA guy pretty easily, if that makes yeah. sense. And then you have so so those three guys, nice, but I could see Kevin Gaussman trending backwards. And then you have three guys that are kind of very similar, like number three starters. Maybe number two on their best year, but definitely not an ace. And definitely, you're not going to want to have them matching up against Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff type guys, right? And then you get into Alex Manoa and UC Kikuchi. Ton of talent. Alex Manoa was really good last year, but he only threw 111 innings plus 18 in the minors. That's 129 innings overall. Like, you're going to need that guy to throw 200 innings in a year. Can he just suddenly jump up to 200 innings, you know, without wearing out. He's a big dude, 6'6", 260, so I'd, I'd be willing to bet on it. But you usually like to build these innings on these guys. Mm-hmm. And if they are as good as people think, 
you're not going to have time to build innings on Alex Manoa. He's just going to have to throw like 200 innings, including playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm worried there. And then Kikuchi, I like that upside play. Uh, I think they signed him for three years, 33 million, something like that. There's a ton of upside there that hasn't been realized in um, Seattle, but it's still a risk because maybe it never it never materializes, and you're spending 11 million dollars on your fifth starter. So like there there's a lot of talent in this rotation. There's a lot of guys that could either take steps up or take steps back. Like you could, it, it could, it could go to an extreme. Every single guy here could take a huge step forward, and all of a sudden you have an insane rotation, like super good. It could go the opposite extreme, and every guy kind of takes a step back. And I wouldn't be shocked by either result, you know. Yeah. And that's what has me worried. It's just not as it's not as steady of a rotation as other other contenders. It's yeah. a good rotation. It's a good rotation, but none of the guys like scare me per se. They're all really good. They're all there's probably like four number threes on this rotation. Maybe a maybe a number two depending on the year. But um, nobody that I would say right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. this looks like a rotation that definitely has an ace or two aces on it. Yeah, because I di- I didn't like that Kevin Gossman signing for him personally. I mm-hmm. mean, you got you know he's a 31 year old. You know he definitely got his stats were were definitely helped out playing it. You know in San Francisco. Yep. Where you're kind of overpaying for him, but they needed someone. So I do give the blue, you know, I do applaud the Blue Jays saying, hey, we're going to have to overpay this guy, you know, because we need him. We need someone, a veteran presence. Uh, the Kenny Rogers, as I would say, um, you need someone like that. But on paper, it doesn't look good. But who knows? Like he, maybe he did figure it out there. And maybe it was more than, you know, just the stadium. But, man, that is such a tough division, too, playing, you know, the Rays in the in the Red Sox and the Yankees as much as they will. Luckily, they get to play the Orioles just as much. But even the Orioles, you know, they've got plenty of prospects that are going to be coming up. True. And you've got you've got other uh, VR is no longer there. He just signed a deal with the Cubs, I think, uh, one year, six million. Mm hmm. But they've got prospects that could, you know, you get up and all of a sudden it's not exactly the easy Orioles to pitch through. They're exactly. not they're not going to have good pitching by any means. But I wouldn't be shocked if all of a sudden these teams go in there expecting an easy win and all of a sudden you look down at the end of the year and you uh, have a, you know, 11-7 and seven record against them and you're like, how did we let so many games go against the Orioles because they called up their Adley Rushmans and uh, guys like that. Yeah. I will say for the Blue Jays, I am a huge fan fan of Alec Manoa. I think he is like he is going to be an act like if he obviously with pitchers, if he can stay healthy, he's like one of those. He's he could be a top five pitcher in the league type guy. I really like him, too, which is why when I brought him up, it was only about the innings. Yeah, which that I agree. Was my, that was my one concern was that he's a really nice pitcher. He was amazing last year. I expect him to be amazing this year. I worry that he won't that he'll have been used too much by the time playoffs come around that it will wear down. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, like I don't huge... doubt his talent at all, and I don't doubt any of these guys' talent. They all have talent, and they all have talent um, to be number threes pretty easily. It's just if you are a team that like the Blue Jays, and you can bat, they could bash, the, they could have all number threes and just bash their way to mm-hmm. a World Series. They'll be but, regular season all like. Regular, regular, regular season champs, but yeah, postseason. 
But when you get to when you get to the postseason, pitching always seems to get a little bit better, and it doesn't matter who you are. It's hard to put up a ton of runs. Pitching just always gets a little bit better, and hard to bash your way hard to bash your way into a World Series. You kind of need the pitching, and if you are a team like them going up against the Mets, if they made it to the World Series, now you have Ryu going against Agram and Barrios going against Scherzer. You know. Who are you taking? Yeah. You're taking DeGrom and Scherzer. So. Exactly. But yeah. one, a couple of last things I want to talk about here. I don't know how much time we've spent today on today's episode. Let's see here. Oh, 44 minutes. All right. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to wind this thing up here <laughs> real quick. Um, two more things I want to talk about. One, I want to talk about the Reds. And then two, I want to talk about Fernando Tatis. Um, which one would you like to start with? Either, either or. All right, we'll start with the Reds. Also, shout out Matt Olson. We talked about Matt Chapman a lot. Shout out to the Braves and Matt Olson. Trading for Matt Olson, um, just real quick in case anybody missed it. Trading for Matt Olson for Christian Pache, Shea Langlers, Ryan Cusick, and Joey Estes. Estes or whatever. Um, Pache and Langlers, obviously the big gets there. And then they also signed Matt Olson to an eight-year, $168 million contract extension. So they got the younger player, for more time, for less money, gave up some prospects for him, but prospects that didn't really have spots to play anyways. Yeah. So, so they got the younger player for more years, for less money, and Matt Olson has been the better player the last couple of years than Freddie Freeman, as hard as that is to believe, because Freddie Freeman's been really good. Matt Olson's been just as good, if not just a smidge better. So shout out the Braves. I like that move. I like not breaking the bank for a 32-year-old first baseman. Uh, big fan. But anyways, <laughs> on to the Reds here. And there's a there was a report. GM, Reds do not expect to trade Luis Castile and Tyler Mall. Or Molly. I don't know how to say these last names. Malone. Which is newsworthy. Usually, you know, you could say that about any team. Dodgers do not expect to trade Max Muncy and... Trey Turner, yeah, no duh, right? But for the Reds, the reason this is news is because they obviously, they waived Wade Miley and his $10 million salary despite the fact that he was amazing last year. Unreal. They traded away Tucker Barnhart to the Tigers. Let's go. Shout out, shout out Tigers. They traded Sonny Gray to the Twins. They traded Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez to the Mariners and picked up um, Brandon Williamson, who's a really nice pitcher, and Justin Dunn, who's also a nice pitcher. So, like, that was a nice move, but kind of shocking to me because every time I watch Eugenio Suarez play against the Brewers, he kills them. So I'm just, like, of the frame of mind that Eugenio Suarez is really good still. And then it turns out that they were dumping his contract three years and, like, $36 million left. They were dumping his contract because he hit 202 two years ago and 198 last year and was negative wins above replacement on the season. Shocking news to me because – when you see a guy in your division, he always kills you. It's just like, oh, yeah, he must be doing really well against everyone else, even if you're not paying attention. So they move Eugenio Suarez. They move Jesse Winker. They move Tucker Beinhardt. They move Wade Miley. They move Sonny Gray. They moved, like, two of their, like, three best starting pitchers. They move their starting catcher. They move their starting third baseman. They move their best hitter in Jesse Winker. <laughs> and then they move Amir Garrett for Mark, Mike Miner. And two years ago, Amir Garrett would have fetched you a treasure trove of assets. 
mm-hmm. as one of the best relievers in baseball. You move forward a year, he has a 6.08 ERA, and now you get Mike Miner for him. Mike Thanks Miner, who had a 5.05 ERA last year. I don't know why you don't just keep him here and trade him at the deadline. If anything, why, like, why Mike Miner? Like, you're like, what, what are you, what are you, what are they doing? It, it, it didn't, it didn't make any sense. Ugh. And they took on money. They took on seven million dollars in salary when they traded Amir Garrett for Mike Miner. So, why? like, like that's what? super confusing to me. It's super confusing to you. It makes right. no sense. It makes Maybe. no sense. Why would you do that? You know how I many think, teams? Oh yeah, go 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 go. I mean, I think they just got tricked. I don't know. Maybe they pers- tricked the GM somehow, or who knows? I don't know. Imagine how many teams sign a guy if Amir Garrett got released. How many rebuild? Not even rebuilding teams. Contending teams would line up to get him, just because that's the potential to put at the back. You know, the the your your worst reliever. You sign Amir Garrett, and you see if you can capture lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. But also. Every other team would sign up to get him because he's exactly the type of guy that you you have and you you sign to a one-year deal, they do really well, and then you trade him mid-season for a decent prospect. Mm-hmm. Also, remember, he's he's been pitching in uh you know at Great American Ballpark where balls fly out, where whatever his stats are, you know, add you know 20 points to whatever is like whatever category it is if he's playing in a different ballpark. Mm-hmm. Especially when he's going to Kaufman. Mm-hmm. So, like the Royals are going to get rid of Mike Miner's contract, get Amir Garrett. He's probably going to pitch better, and then they're going to be able to swap him. So they like two for one. Whereas the Reds could have just kept him. Now I know the Reds. The reason the Reds were trading everyone away, they had a good team last year. They would have had a pretty good team this year. Would have been enough to beat the Brewers and the Cardinals. I don't know, but it would have been enough to be above five hundred team probably. But they wanted to save money. But you can't look at this Amir Garrett deal and say they were saving money because they took on $7 million to have Mike Miner. So it it doesn't make any sense. Uh, If you're taking on that money, why not just keep Wade Miley in his $10 million contract and keep Amir Garrett? I don't know. I don't need to do the red legs. I lived in Cincinnati for like a while. It just, I feel bad for Cincinnati fans. That's tough. Yeah. It it tiger. It's absolutely brutal. You get you got rid of one of your you got nothing for Wade Miley. You waived him. You traded your best catcher. You traded your best pitcher. You traded your best position player. You traded Eugenio Suarez. And you trade your best lottery ticket in Amir Garrett to take on more salary and take on a pitcher that's just as bad last year it it is bonkers to me and it's bonkers what the reds are doing and like if you want to save payroll sure okay you spent too much money you have to save payroll i don't know if i believe it but okay whatever the way they've gone about it though at this point just trade luis castillo trade tyler mall get another couple more top 100 prospects sign a bunch of random dudes that you think like mike minor type guys that you think can do well and you can trade midseason and just call it a day at this point because you've already butchered your team. So what's the point of keeping Luis Castillo? Yeah, I agree. I would love to have Luis Castillo. I think he's a super underrated pitcher in my opinion. Um, 
But how about this? Any other? I know we're we're creeping up to like fifty something uh, minutes here. But is there any other players? I know like next week after by this time, there's going to be so many more signings and trades. There's still a lot of great talent available. True, it's a lot of fun. I mean, Trevor Story hasn't signed yet, so you know. know. Uh, there's one last thing I want to talk about, and it's Fernando Tatis. Oh yeah, forgot about that. And uh, let's just talk quickly about Fernando Tatis because I don't know where you're at on him. But a lot of this offseason, people would be like, Nate, who should I buy? Soto, Tatis, Acuna, Vlad. And my answer would always be number one, Soto. But then usually number two was Vlad, even though people don't trust his weight issues. He doesn't really get he's not really getting injured. He's just weight issues. And then number three was Acuna, number four was Tatis. And Tatis was number four. Because the last four years, he dealt with four different types of injuries to four different parts of his body, including in the minors. And now we're on to year five, and he's dealing with a fifth different different injury. And this one was sustained in a motorcycle accident, apparently, and he had to have sur- surgery on his wrist. He's out for three months. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, a nagging injury on the same thing is concerning. But... An injury to a different part of your body every single year, also ultra concerning to me. And it's gotten to the point where I don't think I could invest in Tatis. See, I I, I have not been uh, bullish on buying Tatis for the last probably year and a half just because of those concerns where it's like, okay, he's, he's at such a premium because when he is healthy and, you know, he looks fantastic. And that's why you're paying the premium, which is great. But for me, I look for guys like almost just like the stock market where it's like, okay, what are guys that were really good that maybe trended down that are ready to go back up rather than someone that's already pretty high? How much better can they get? That's why for me, it was like Soto, um, which is, you know, he's elite. But I think Soto was always one when people ask Bo Bichette, Lou, uh, Lou Bob. Um, those are like the big three that I personally have been looking for this you know, this off season, like if we're talking like the, the premium type of players and like Acuna. Uh, mm-hmm. But other than that, man, I was kind of, I love Tatis, but I, it was funny. Mike, Mike and I were talking, he was asking me, he's like, who's going to be the biggest uh, surprise that won't be as good as people think. And, you know, obviously you don't want to, you know, I didn't want to see Tatis get hurt, but I did say Tatis last week. And then he got hurt. I'm like that it's been the MO for him for the last, even in his rookie year. Yep. Um, and with the prices, man, I just, it's hard for me to, to, you know, put that kind of money in a, in a player like that, man, he is good when he's healthy. He's so good. He's so good. And that's the reason he's expensive is because everyone knows that if he puts together a full season, you're getting a 40 home run bat with flair out of shortstop. Like, yeah, that's amazing. If not more home runs, you know, but so injury prone and this is the type of the way he plays and the type of injuries he's having. And I said this on our YouTube video today, you get injuries in your twenties, you recover from it. Yeah. Those injuries though, will start creeping back up. You see older people, they get injured in their twenties and all of a sudden it's that ankle that they injured that flares up when they're 40, you know, that's going to start flaring up in his thirties. And if he's getting injured now, he's going to get injured more later and the injuries he sustained from when he was younger are going to flare up in their 30s. And th- I would not be shocked if Tatis is the type of guy that burns very bright 
and then is a below average player by the time he's 32. Do I want to invest in a below average player by the time he's 32? And not saying that will happen. And there's going to be people that are upset that I would even mention that. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to say that that will happen, but I can see that happening. Yeah. And too. for me, I can also see Juan Soto, you know, Joey Votto, amazing eye at the plate. Uh, and he has been amazing for years and years and years. He went through a little bit of a dry spell there, but he was still above average. And now he, he's been really good the last year. And I can see Juan Soto with a Joey Votto type career where you get to 37, 38, and the dude is still good because his eye at the plate is amazing. And mm-hmm. he'll still be hitting home runs. And even if it's not as many home runs, he'll still be hitting home runs. He'll still be getting on base. And he'll still be a useful major league player by the time he reaches his late 30s and maybe even 40. Mm-hmm. I do not think Tatis will be a valuable player by the time he reaches his late thirties. Yeah. And I if agree. I want to invest in somebody, I want to invest in the dude that's going to have a 20 year career, not a 11 year career. Yeah. And, and you want to know another reason why I'm a huge Juan Soto fan, non-tangible, not throw the numbers out is the fact that he has, he's still on, you know, he hasn't signed that big, big extension. So he hasn't gotten that huge payday yet. He's and betting he, on himself. He's betting on himself, which for cards and for just stat wise, I'm telling you, it is a different mindset. Like, think about it. If like, put yourself in their shoes. If rude, if if you told me, if you told me, all right, Nate, uh, you can make twenty thousand a year from podcasting, and it can go up if you do better. I would try really hard. And then if you told me, Nate. You are going to be making a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, guaranteed for that for the next ten years, locked in. Think about that. Yeah, you'd be like, "All right, I'm just I'm making this," and then you're going to have weeks where you just kind of phone it in. No yeah. phoning in for Juan Soto. But in some of these things too, like these guys get these monster contracts, even if they get released or you know whatever, like not playing for that team anymore, they still get paid. Like, like, look at Prince Fielder. He hasn't played in years, and he's still getting paid because yeah. he got released. Well, to, to be fair, that's a little. I, but, I but get, it, I, I get the sentiment you're bringing up. So I don't want that's the same sentiment of these guys might get lackadaisical to be applied to Prince Fielder since his his problem was neck injuries. Yeah. So just so we're clear on that, because because Prince Fielder doesn't he he worked very hard. I mean that dude. That dude played 162 games so many times for the Brewers. Mm-hmm. To get, yeah. But with, with the one, so that's why I think, too, the Acuna, you know, he signed that big extension when he was young, but he knows, like, yeah, that was a nice extension. He was betting, you know, kind of taking the middle road. But for him to get the monster deal that he's seen all of his other colleagues getting, he still has to perform to that level to get that next one. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I love Acuna too. I do worry about his injuries also. Me too. But I worry about them less than Tatis. I think there's just a little bit more potential to get injured playing the infield recklessly than the outfield. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, I think we'll probably call it quits. We're about we're almost to 60 minutes here, so we are going to call it quits on this here free agency recap, Ding and Corners episode. Jimbo, any last words? Nothing besides shout out to uh, to our friends over in Australia and anyone that listens globally. I think that is awesome. Also, always 
thank you so much for all the comments and the messages. It is incredible. It gets me so amped up. Yep, got a couple nice messages this week. I always share them with Jimbo when we get them at the Dingy Corners page. And uh, to everyone that reaches out and takes their moment a moment to reach out to us, we do appreciate it. And it does mean a lot because, you know, we do this we do this podcast um, just for the love of baseball. Get nothing Definitely. else out of it except for the love of baseball. Yes. And the fact that you guys reach out to also say, hey, you enjoy listening to the podcast and you love baseball also. We love that. That's what we do it for. So appreciate you guys. Jimbo, appreciate you. Thank you I for joining you. another Dingy Corners. Another and, one in the books. Uh, we will be back here again next Friday. Cool. See you, everyone. All right. Have a good night, guys. Or a good day. Or whatever time you're listening to this, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>